0: You know, today we're coming to the end of this short four-part four series, this, this four-talk series on spiritual growth. I'm, I'm super convinced, if you're not already, I hope you will be by the time we're finished, that spiritual growth does not happen by osmosis, okay? It, doesn't just, it just doesn't occur because we want it to occur. And so I have been challenging us for the last four weeks to four specific commitments that lead to spiritual maturity. You know, I believe with all my heart that spiritual growth begins with our decision, our commitment to follow Jesus. I do not believe that it ends there. I believe that's where it begins. And Jesus is calling us to follow him. And that includes you. Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. Again, the Bible knows nothing of a disciple who is not a follower of Jesus, I've said this numerous occasions here recently, but it, but it seems almost like in America, especially, we somehow want to divorce or draw this hard distinction between being a disciple of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus because I mentally uh, acquiesce to certain facts about Jesus, where that, the Bible just doesn't know anything of that. The Bible knows only the one who says, I'm trusting in Christ and am following Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we don't fall or stumble or that there's not periods of, of greater growth than others, but, but we follow Jesus. Now... I told y'all that that was really the first commitment to spiritual growth, making a decision to follow Jesus. Now, the second one I shared with you was that that we need to be an an ever-learning person. The Bible says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of God's word, that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. So what God's calling us to do is to learn and understand his Bible so that we can grow. And And I fear that too many of us, Especially in our North American context, too many of us believe that I know enough. I know enough. Hey, I'm happy with what I know, that's enough. I, I live my Christian life. And you know, but really our heart should be always wanting to always wanting to grow in, in understanding of the word of God and its application to our lives. And, and we should not be upset when some of the things that maybe we've held to are being challenged and we're being rattled a little bit and, and we have to invest a little bit more effort in trying to figure out exactly what does the scripture teach. We should not be rattled by that. We should actually be grateful that God is teaching us and, and still working in us and we have a heart to grow. Now, I thought about taking this last talk and devoting it to the, the commitment to apply all that we're learning, okay? In other words, to, to be obedient to the things that we're learning. Indeed, you're never gonna grow spiritually until you start applying the things that you're learning as an ever learning learner, okay? So you're never gonna grow until you begin to apply those things. And knowledge, knowledge isn't where it's at. Now knowledge leads us to obedience, hopefully, okay? It's not knowledge for knowledge sense. Sent. It's not knowledge for knowledge sake. <laughs> Sorry. Been up late last night, so um, it's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. And so the Bible calls us to submit to the will of God. But as I was thinking about this, this really is obedience, really is the first commitment I challenged you to, and I challenge you to trust and follow Jesus. All right? That is the commitment to obey everything that our Savior taught us. That is the commitment to obey everything that you're learning as this as this growing learner. So you know, I, I thought it'd be redundant to talk about a, a commitment to challenge you to obey when I've really already done this. Now, one of the things that I did tell you on Resurrection Sunday was that at times we need to recalibrate our following. Okay, We need to recalibrate our following and, and we need to stop back, step back sometimes and say, man, how am I doing? Am I really following Jesus or am I just I'm going through the motions, am I just, am I an autopilot and really not following my Savior's lead? And sometimes we need to recalibrate, you know, that, that following. The rabbis used to have a saying that went like this in, in, in Palestinian Jesus' day, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, or may you be covered in the dust of your master. And what that meant was, as you walk the dusty roads of Palestine, may you be so close to your rabbi that the dust at his feet kick up gets all over you. May you be following him that close. And, and I really think spiritually that's a great quote for us. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered in you know, the words and the will of our, of our Savior, of our Master, as we follow him. Now, last week, we talked uh, about a third commitment for spiritual growth, and and I said that maturity comes at the end of servanthood, that if we want to grow spiritually, you and I have to commit to being a servant. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Uh, he, he uh, He often said, be like me as I serve. In fact, in John 13, he leaves us this example that we are to serve even as he served. And so Jesus says to be great. To be great in my book is to be a servant. Jesus is the greatest. He is the great he was and is the greatest servant. You know, and so if I want to be mature like him, uh, I have to serve like him. I have to I have to look like him. I don't mean physically, but I, I have to look like he looked as far as how he lived out his life. I need to speak like him, act like a servant, like he did to many. And uh, remember what Paul said. He said, follow the example of Jesus, who, though he was God, became a servant for us all. That's kind of my paraphrase of Philippians 2, 5 through 8, all right? So follow Jesus as he became a servant, uh, you know, for all of us. Today, I want to challenge you to a fourth commitment, and and again, there there could probably be more, but these are the four that I've chosen to just share with all of us, but I want to give you the fourth one this morning. And the fourth challenge that I want to give you is is, is different. It's going to seem a little bit strange to you maybe, but this fourth commitment is I'm going to challenge you to commit yourself to believe something rather than do something. I want to challenge you to commit yourself to believe the principles of God. And I'm going to give you several principles of spiritual growth in just a few moments. And hopefully these principles will inspire you. Hopefully they'll encourage you. Hopefully they'll challenge you. In in their in their very nature, but spiritual maturity begins when I decide to believe God, and I really want to challenge you to believe God. The Bible is really clear that our righteousness comes not by what we do, as Jamie said a minute ago, but by but by our faith, by our trusting, by what we believe about God, what He said, and our following. It begins with faith. Now the Bible also says this though, it's not just that I begin by faith, I need to carry on by faith. My whole life needs to be encased in trusting God and I need to follow, I need to follow God. So I'm not just saved by faith, I live by faith. And so the Apostle Paul would write something like this, that the, the victorious Christian life begins by believing God. Galatians 2.20, a verse that I memorize as a young Christian. You ought to memorize this as well. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Okay. Not only do I begin by faith, but I live my life by faith. To the Corinthian church, Paul said, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't just begin by faith, we walk by faith. Every day, it's a matter of trusting God. And the idea in these verses are that every day, it's, just, it's, always, it's always the same. My day is... My day is lived by my believing what God says, by trusting God. Not just that I trust Him once in the past, that Jesus died for me, so I'm trusting Him. I need to trust Him daily in that. But I also need to trust all His other words as well. All the other things that God uh, has told us. Victoria, the victorious Christian life doesn't spring from self-effort, okay, but rather from the faith that believes God, what God says about all of life. Our commitments to grow surge, I believe, from our faith in the truthfulness of what God says. So this morning in Second Peter, I believe Peter gives us, maybe implied, maybe not so much directly stated, but at least implied, gives us some, some principles that I want you to believe. And if you believe them, I believe they'll motivate your actions. I believe they'll, they'll help you in the application of even the, the, first, the first three commitments that I gave you. But they'll help you in every area of your life if you will believe God, what he says about, about spiritual growth. Now, Matt already read the passage for us, and, and so I'm not going to read it again, but I will quote it throughout throughout this talk at each point, all right? So let's begin to move our way through, uh, through the text. Uh, and again, hopefully these principles are going to... Uh, to catapult us into certain actions. And uh, and this talk hopefully will be motivational uh, as we we talk about believing for motivation. All right. So here's the first principle that I want to give you. Spiritual growth is possible for all of us. Every one of us in this room can grow spiritually who are followers of Jesus. And the reason I say that, let's look at verse 3 of chapter chapter 1. Seeing Peter writes, seeing that God's divine power, Jesus' divine power, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust." That verse begins and says that God has given us everything that we need, everything that pertains to godliness and life and godliness. Now, life, I think he means eternal life. He could mean, you know, just our physical life. God's given us everything that we need to live physically, but, but I, I believe he's really talking about eternal life. And by the way, let me, let me chase just this, this thought for just a moment because it came to me when we were singing a little while ago. You know, the promise of the Christian life, guys, is eternal life. The promise of the Christian life is immortality. Listen, we should not be ashamed of that. We should not be uh, embarrassed to talk about the fact that the promise of the Christian life is that I will live forever. Yes, my body is going to die, but God's going to raise my body immortal, and I will live forever with him. That is the promise of eternal life. The, The alternative to that is death. So you have two options. You can die or you can live forever with God. It's one of those two options. And you, we can define death differently. But, but you, you're going to die or you're going to live forever. And the promise of Jesus is that you can have eternal life with God. And it's not just immortality that he's promising us. It's immortality. Jesus promises immortality. But he promises immortality in a context without sin. I mean, I'm telling you, that's, that's huge, everybody. It's huge because sin so messes up our life, doesn't it? I mean, sickness, disease, broken relationships and friendships and tragedies of every kind, they all stem from the brokenness of our sin, right? But there's coming a day when we're going to be given immortality and immortality without sin. Immortality in the presence of God. We'll see him face to face. It's going to be face to face. It's going to be a different world. That's the promise. And that's the promise of God. God. And, um, and so God says, I've given you everything you need, and I, but for life, and I think life has to do with eternal life there. But then He says, and for godliness. And godliness means we have everything we need to live like Jesus now. To be like him in this life, I have everything that I need. But then, specifically, specifically, Paul tells us—or excuse me, Peter tells us—he tells us what those things are that God has given us now, and they are God's precious promises. Do you see that in the text? He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He has granted to us his verse four, his precious and magnificent promises. So he doesn't enumerate what the promises are. He doesn't say, this is the promise I'm talking about. So I'm going to suggest two that I believe he probably has in mind. One of them is the promise that I have a new heart. Okay. The God has taken my sinful old nature and, and though I don't believe he's eradicated it, he has given me a, a heart of flesh, as he calls it. He's given me his, he's given me a new heart, a new life. And he says he's written his commandments on my heart and, and I know him in my heart. So when I put my trust in Christ, Jesus changes me on the inside. And that's one of the reasons why I can live differently. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why people who are not followers of Jesus, I should not expect them to be like a follower of Jesus. You know, we, you know our, our, our American Christianity, our, our, our national civil religion has kind of confused us. And so we think all Americans are Christians at some level, but they're not. See, to, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to have a new heart. And so, you know, when people don't act like Christians or don't act like Christ, but they're not his followers, man, that that shouldn't. That shouldn't cause us any problem because that's they're, they're, just where they are. We should love them, and and, and spewing out all kinds of harsh things from our mouth isn't going to accomplish anything. I'm I'm chasing something I don't need to chase right now. So he's given us a new nature, but the other thing, the other promise that I believe that God would want to mention here is that he's given us his Holy Spirit. I I actually think he does mention it, and that he says that he's given us, let me see if I can find it, he has given us... Uh, his divine nature. You see that in verse four, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world. I I think the divine nature statement there, I think he's talking about how he's given us his precious Holy Spirit. God has given us himself. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, it's best if I leave you, I don't know about you, but I'm like, no, please don't go. Please don't go. I want you here. I want to be able to talk to you and see you face to face. But Jesus said, no, it's better for you, the people of God, that I leave. Why? Because when I leave, God, the Father, is going to send another helper. He's going to be different than me. He's not going to be... He's not going to be encased, if you would, or inculcated in, a, in humanity. He's going to be a spirit like the Father, and he's going to be able to be in you, every one of you, so he's always with you. Whereas, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, kind of low you know, I'm, I'm dependent on where my body is right now, right? And, and so it's, it's to your advantage that I go away, that this comforter will come and dwell within each one of you, all right? So let me go back again here. Don't forget the principle. The principle is every one of you can grow spiritually. Every one of you can be what God wants you to be because God has given you everything you need to accomplish that. He's given you a new heart, and he's given you his spirit. And between those two things, you can be what God wants you to be. Believe me. Believe me. Not believe me, believe God, all right? Remember, this whole talk is about believing God, all right? Number two, spiritual growth is intentional. Verse 5. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Now, uh, the part that I want you to note is not so much what he says to your faith, add moral excellence. We'll come to that in a minute. But what I want you to know, I I want you to see in that verse, he says, with all diligence. With all diligence. Your translation may say, make every effort. And so here's the point. The point is that you have to make the choice to grow. It's, it's you who has to decide, I am going to grow. Moral excellence or virtue uh, means simply the moral perfections of Jesus, okay? Add that to your faith. But, but don't miss, it's you have got to intentionally choose to do that. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen, you have to intend for it to happen. Now, I tell you what, I have this strong desire to be uh, slim and, and, and have a six-pack of ab, abs other than, I don't drink, but I got a keg, so what can I say, right? But you know what? My, my wishing for it to happen, is never going to make it happen. I have to choose to invest if I want to be physically fit or if I want to be mentally astute. If I want to be an ever-growing learner, I have to do something for that to come about. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Have any of you ever put your Bible under your pillow and hopefully in the morning you're going to get something from that? But you're wasting your time. You're not going to get anything that way. You ha- but, you, but it's on you. You have to choose. You have to choose to grow spiritually. Believe me. Believe me. If you're not going to believe me, believe God. Because that's what he says here. Number three. Spiritual growth is personal. Again, this is clear in, in the inference that Peter, that Peter gives us. He says, you add to your faith. You do it. You add to your faith. Spiritual growth isn't what others do to you. It's what you choose to do to yourself. Okay? Spiritual growth isn't what others do to you. It's what you choose for yourself. Now, don't misunderstand me. I grow when others invest in me and teach me and show me and correct me. But none of that happens unless I'm personally willing to let them to let them do that. And it's not going to happen unless I personally choose for it to happen. So I must be diligent to add to my faith. I must be diligent to add to my faith. Now, again, please don't misunderstand. I, I, I'm not belittling the role of God's Spirit. I'm not belittling the role of, of, of other people in our lives. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm telling you, spiritual growth begins when you personally, when you personally decide and, and you make the personal commitment you know, to grow. I cannot make that commitment for my kids. I cannot even make that commitment for Anne. You know, we each have to make it for ourselves. And, and if I can say this, you know, I, I think too often we let the apathy of others, or maybe even their taunting us, keep us from really personally applying ourselves to this whole, this whole thing of spiritual growth. What I mean by that is everybody else around me is being apathetic. I don't want to look weird. I don't, look, I don't want to look super spiritual. I don't want to look overly holy. And so I, I, I tend to, if I'm not careful, let myself slide into the position where everybody else is. And that's, that's not what I need to do. I, I need to not, you know, in, instead of looking, letting you dictate where I'm going to be, I need to be saying, man, I am going to grow spiritually. I hope you'll come along with me. But if you're not, hey, I'm going anyway. And if people are taunting you, you know that they, they they talk about this in, uh, in 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 a lot of schools, I guess public and private, that you know if the the spirit of the class makes an, a big difference on the students. In other words, if the class has a a if there's an overall feeling of not wanting to achieve and not wanting to learn, it affects all the students in the class because of that spirit. And vice versa, if there's a spirit in the class to learn and to grow, it kind of sucks everybody up with it, all right? Now, we need to be careful that we don't let people around us, you know, suck us in to not growing spiritually. You need to choose to grow spiritually. Believe me. Believe me. And if you're not going to believe me, believe what God says, because that's what he implies. The next one. I'm going to lose count, and you can have to tell. I think this is four. But anyway, spiritual growth is incremental. To your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Now, realize that Peter gives us this long list right here and now, okay? But notice that he says, add this, and then this. And to that add this, and to that add this, and, and, and so what he's—the picture he's painting for us here—is that spiritual growth happens to us incrementally. None of us should expect to be this mature man or woman of God overnight. It's—it's it's a matter of year after year. In fact, I want to say this: ultimate maturity takes a lifetime. I should always be maturing. Hopefully, at fifty-seven, I'm not as mature today as I'll be. When I'm 67, and I doubt I'll make it to 77, but if I do, I hope I'll be more mature at 77 than I am at 57. Okay, so so it's incremental, but it happens little little at a time. And think about it: is this not how physical growth takes place? I mean, there's developmental stages in children's lives, right? First, they learn to eat, then they roll over, and then they crawl. And then they learn to walk, and then they learn to talk, and no child has ever taken those steps out of order. They are developmental steps. Now, I'm not implying, necessarily, that, that somehow Peter's giving us developmental steps of growth. I'm not, I'm not implying that. Nor, nor am I saying or that there are certain, necessarily, developmental steps in, in growth I don't necessarily believe that, okay? But but I think the point that Peter is making is, and add this to this, and this to this, is is just spiritual growth is is incremental, and you're going to continue to add. You're going to continue to add to where you are, year after day after day. Month, well, let's not make it day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. I'm just I'm growing. I'm adding to. To my spiritual growth, precept by precept, piece by piece, until I achieve that maturity that is in Christ. The next one spiritual growth is multifaceted. Again, let's look at the facets now that Peter mentions here. I just said it's incremental because it's one after the other, but let's look at the facets that he mentions. He says, To your faith, supply moral excellence, to your moral excellence, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to your self-control, perseverance, and then your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. And we start at faith. That's the place to begin. It always starts there. Always, it's the foundation of all of who we are as followers of Christ. We believe Him, all right? So it starts with faith. But then Paul says, to to faith add moral virtue or moral excellence. And what that simply means is, may your character be like that of Christ. May, may, May you add to your faith that Christ is Lord. May you add to that the character of Christ. May may your character and your your morality, your virtue, be like that of the Lord Jesus. Add that to your life. And then he says, to your character or to your moral virtue, add knowledge. And I think that's really the the second great commitment I've given you in the spiritual growth process uh, of being an ever-learning learner, all right? Uh, So he says, add add to that, add to your character knowledge. There's things we need to know, everybody, and there's things that we don't know, right? Right? There's things that we don't know. And I don't know what I don't know, right? I don't know what I don't know until I invest in knowing. So I, I need to add knowledge. And then to my knowledge, he says, add self-control. Learn to curb the desires of your flesh. So, he, so here I'm growing in my emotions, my sinful desires, and those desires that are not necessarily sinful, you know, I've debated whether to share this or not, but I decided I'm going to. You know, I uh, I spent last night in the emergency room. I spent in the emergency room from 1, was it 1.30? 1 1 to about 4.30 in the morning because I my, my chest was hurting so bad and my back was hurting and, and I tried and tried and tried not to go to the emergency room, but I just finally couldn't do it. And we went. And uh, so... I don't know exactly how to tell you this story, but they did a, finally did a CT scan on me, and the doctor comes, and he, and he sits down, he says, Jimmy, did, did you eat a big supper last night? He said, your stomach was huge. <laughs> last night, some friends had us over for a little birthday celebration, and they had a taco bowl, and I had worked hard and felt like I deserved it, and... <laughs> And I filled that taco bowl up, which was enough for probably three people. But I, I filled it up, I ate it. But you know what was the real getter? It was the, all the chips with the, the white queso and the, yeah, like, oh, yeah. It was the chips with the white queso and the guacamole dip. And I mean, I just, I just grazed and grazed and grazed. And then the cake. My, my, my point is, I lacked self-control last night, and I knew it. I told Anne, uh, w- while we were there, I said, I ate too much tonight. I've eaten too much tonight. I said it several times. And, uh, and, and so, and again, Peter says, he says, to your knowledge, add self-control. You know, self-control is so many areas, Everybody. It's in the area of eating. It's in the area of how you manage your time. What do you do with Facebook? What do you do with social media? How much time do you spend there? What, what is out of control and what is out of balance, right? That you're not controlling, you know? What 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 part of your life you know is not under the control of Christ, but it's under the control of your emotions or under the control of, of just the whims of your flesh? What you know, your body. What what is it? Well, whatever it is. The Apostle Peter says, listen, to our knowledge, just add self-control. It's part of being a mature, growing, spiritually-minded follower of Christ, you know? To your self-control, add perseverance. What's the one necessary thing for perseverance? Somebody answer me. What's the one necessary thing for perseverance to be proven in our lives? Start something. I'm thinking more of the passing of time, right? If time doesn't pass, you can't prove whether you've persevered or not because there hasn't been any time going by, right? Time, you know, so, so perseverance, add, I, can't, I can't persevere in following Jesus or in anything that I start. I can't persevere until time goes by. And, and so the apostle Peter is saying to our self-control, add perseverance. Follow Jesus as time goes by. Don't fall away. You, you will stumble You will stumble, stumble, but get back up. Get back up. Don't stay down. To your perseverance, add godliness. And and the word godliness there translated simply means to have a character like that of God. I think actually it's it's probably Peter almost using the same statement when he talks about moral excellencies or moral virtue, right? It's sort of the same thing. But he's basically saying that when people see your life, they say, wow, there's somebody who's really godlike you know there's somebody who has the 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 character the heart the, the that their life epitomizes god that's what they think when it says godliness to your perseverance add godliness then to godliness add love love of the brothers you know love god's people the church we love the church it's not the building but the people his people we are the church his family we give our lives for each other and to our love for one another, he says, add agape. And agape is that self-sacrificing, all-giving love. So it's not just that I love you because you're my brother or sister and it's easy to do because you love me. No, it's, it's the kind of love that, that I love even when it's hard. Even when you are hurting me, I'm still loving you. And, and I'm loving people outside of the body of Christ that maybe don't love me or don't like me. I'm still loving them and still kindly, kindly seeking to lead them to Christ. My point here is that spiritual growth, there's so many different facets to spiritual growth. There's so many different areas in our life in which I need to grow in my character, in my relationships, in my behavior, in my understanding. There's all these different facets. Believe me. If you're not going to believe me, believe what God says, because he says there's different facets to our spiritual growth. The next one, spiritual growth is relational. Did you notice that we add to this dimension brotherly love and into brotherly love, self sacrificing love? Okay? Remember this you cannot grow to be a mature follower of Jesus apart from the body of Christ. You can't do it. You cannot become all that God wants you to be as a lone ranger. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to walk this Christian life alone. We always grow the best, the strongest, the fastest in relationships. As iron sharpens iron, says the word of God, all right? So one man sharpens another. You can isolate yourself if you want. You can choose the hermit life. But I'm telling you, you'll never be a mature Christian walking in a hermit kind of life. And we Americans tend to think in our individualism, we tend to think, all I need is my Bible and Jesus, and that's enough. And, you know, if you're, on, if you're on a desert island and all you have is Jesus and your Bible, you know, it's enough. But he didn't make it that way for most of us. Most of us do life together, and, and he expects us to do life in his church, okay? Remember the one another commands? Fifty of them. Fifty one another commands, you know, that how we treat one another. And the only way that's going to work itself out in my life is if I'm actually living it out with you, all right? Last one in, in last of the main ones. He says, "Spiritual growth results in maturity." Verse eight: For if these character qualities are or if these qualities excuse me if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Growing in these dimensions will always result. Uh, in in fruitfulness, they'll always result in you being more like Jesus. They'll always change you to grow you up to be like Christ. And remember, that's the goal. That's the goal of spiritual growth. It's maturity, and the pathway to this growth is to believe what God says about growth. Okay. So my commitment to you today is to believe the things that I'm challenging you with. Believe what God says that that you are not alone in this. You're to live it out relationally. Believe what God says that. Oh, um, well, I can't even remember all the things I've said. But anyway, um, you know how that goes. But believe, believe that growth is multifaceted. There's many areas you're working on. Believe that it's incremental. You know, believe that it's, um, that it's personal. Believe that it's something you have to choose intentionally. And by, by all means, please believe that it's something that all of us can do. All of us can grow and become spiritually mature. One last principle, verse 9 through Verse 11. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, here's what that verse says to me as far as spiritual growth is concerned. Spiritual growth is confirming... Spiritual growth confirms that you are the real deal. Spiritual growth, he says, if you're growing spiritually, you are, are proving and you're making sure of his calling and his choosing of you. Now, we all stumble, but get back up, all right? Don't stay down. Make certain you belong to Christ by growing in maturity, by becoming like Christ. Now, becoming like Christ doesn't make you part of his kingdom. It's part when you are part of his kingdom by faith, He will grow. You will. You will change. You will be different. It is, it is confirmational that, that this following Jesus, this becoming like him, it confirms that you belong to him. Believe me, if you won't believe me, believe what God says. Let's end this text. I love how Peter ends it. Verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and, I've, and, I have, and have been established in the truth which is present with you. Peter says, I, I love to tell you these things, even though I've told them to you over and over and over again, and you're established in them, I know that. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, you know, I know you know these things, but you know what? I'm just going to keep on telling you. Even though I don't have much time left, I'm about to die. Jesus confirmed that for me. I'm about to die. But you know what? I'm going to so confirm these things in your heart so that even after I'm gone, you're going to remember these things. You're going to bring these things to mind. Now, I feel, I, feel like, I feel different than Peter, but like Peter. And then I feel like, Lord, man, we've been over this stuff so so much. Uh, Peter didn't worry about it. I tend to worry about it, right? I tend to say, man, I've been talking about this stuff too much, right? Peter didn't care. He just said, I want to make sure that after I'm gone, this is what they remember. They have everything they need to grow spiritually, everything they need. And, and they should be investing themselves. It's their personal decision to grow spiritually, And by growing spiritually, they will confirm that they belong, that they belong to Christ. Let's bow our heads for just a few moments. And this really is the the most, it's not the most important time, but this, this is the most personal time of this morning in that I want you to do something with whatever Jesus may have said to your heart through this talk and through Peter's words. And, and I guess, you know, my, my biggest challenge to you would be to, to take maybe all four messages, but the one in particular this morning, and decide in your heart, say, Lord, and, and again, maybe this kind of goes back to that recalibrating our follow, following of Jesus, but maybe you need to say to the Lord this morning, Lord, I, I need to grow spiritually. I, I have been anemic you know, I've been rather sickly spiritually, just not investing myself, thinking my spiritual growth is going to come just because I sit here on a Sunday morning and, and, and that's, that's going to bring spiritual growth in my life. And, and yeah, that might be a part of it, but it's so much more than that. And so maybe you need to say to, to the Lord Jesus this morning, I, well, I need to recommit myself to grow spiritually. I need to, I need to say, Lord, I want to become like Jesus, and I am willing to invest myself. Maybe that's what you need to tell the Lord this morning, or maybe, or maybe you're doing really well in one area, but you're really not becoming spiritually mature in another. And uh, boy, I, I remember it's in my notes somewhere, but I didn't mention it. You know, uh, we can't. You know, we we don't just because one branch is good. If part of the tree is rotten, there's disease in the tree, and so. You know, here, here's what I'd want to say to you. If there's some area that you're really not growing in, then maybe this morning you need to say, Lord, help me, help me turn my attention to that area. Remember those different facets we mentioned? Self-control, knowledge, brotherly kindness, agape love, you know, I can't remember all of them now, self-control. Anyway, Lord, this is, there's this one area of my life that you put your finger on many times that I am not growing in. Maybe you just need to tell him, Lord, would you help me through your power and through your spirit, turn my attention to that area in which I need to grow? Maybe tell them that. One last thing, and then I'm going to pray and be dismissed, and, or dismiss us. And, and this is, um, you know, spiritual growth begins, uh, and this, this I do believe wholeheartedly, it begins with you deciding, I'm going to trust in Christ and follow Christ. And uh, maybe, maybe you don't know much about Christ, but you're intrigued. You know, listen, just let me know. Let me know. We'll get together and we'll talk about Jesus so that I can share with you a little bit more about him. But maybe you're one of these that has been just around the fringe for a long time. And today is the day in which you say, I really want to follow Christ. I, I really, I, I get it. I understand it. I want to follow Jesus as my Savior. I want to trust in Him. And then right now, right where you sit, just tell Him that in your own words. Jesus, I believe and I want to follow you. So take a moment, if that's where you are, and just tell them that. And God, you've heard our prayers this morning because you hear all our prayers. And Lord, for those who want to follow you, would you just come and fill them with your spirit, begin to change their lives. For those of us that have an area of our life that needs to be changed, that we need to work on, that we're weak in, that's really just, its we're really anemic in that area, Lord, just uh just help us with that. And just maybe, just maybe, Lord, some of us, we need to, cal- we need to recalibrate our whole entire you know, following you, the spiritual growth thing. We're just, we've just been pleased and happy to be where we are, as opposed to saying, I want to be more like Jesus. So Lord, help us with any of these decisions and commitments we've made this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us as you do. And We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. This message has been brought to you by Bacon's Castle Baptist Church, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit us on the